Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean, that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. You, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Hey guys, if you're looking for a quality bow dealership near Newcastle, Pennsylvania, look no farther than Williams Archery down in Edinburgh, PA, just minutes west of the city. They offer Hoyt, PSE, Elite, Bear, and many more brands. Go check out their bow fishing equipment, or stop in for hands-on shooting lessons. Give Ron and Linda a call at 724-667-9660. We're also very excited to announce our new sponsor, Allen & Friends Custom Calls. With turkey season on everyone's mind, now is the time to order your custom-made calls from ANF. They offer V-cuts, combo cuts, and batwing cuts for all of your turkey calling needs. The best part? If you order today with our code WDP, you will pay $5 per call and receive free shipping. Order today on Instagram at ANF underscore custom calls or by email at anfcustomcalls at gmail.com. Welcome to episode 31 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in the car for the first time, Charles Hedlund. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing well. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, I'm just uh, drinking some coffee. <laughs> I'm excited for this episode. It's going to be uh, going to be a good one, I think. Oh, it's going to be a real good one. Uh, I'm excited to hear it. I was excited to have this guest in, not in, but on the podcast. It's going to be a real good episode. I'm really excited to announce who we have coming on. And uh, I may have put a teaser out this morning about who's coming on on our Facebook page. So Hey, that's okay. You know, and it couldn't have come at better timing because they just announced the perch. So That's right. Just announced the perch. And uh, if people out there that don't know about Wild Edge Inc., we have the creator of Wild Edge Inc., Andrew Walter coming on the podcast today and this man he just seems like a guy that you can just go 
hang out with, talk to, like you were friends for 20 years, you know, and, and I kind of got that over the podcast and messaging them back and forth. It was, it was a lot of fun. So. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Well, let's bring him on. Absolutely. All right, guys, we got on the line for you today, Drew Walter from Wild Edge, Inc. How we doing, Drew? I'm doing good, boys. How you doing? Not too shabby, man. Can't complain, man. I was out without a jacket on today, so that's a plus. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was, that. Gotta love New England. Yeah, it's officially springtime, so I'm ready for some turkey season, but can't look past that uh, off-season scouting and everything else that we've been doing yep. over the last couple weeks. So I've been I've been getting fired up, man. Can never let uh can never let deer season really go. You know, as much as I look forward to turkey season, can never let deer season go. So I'm pumped, but it's good to have you on, man. I'm I'm kind of excited. Uh, I've been listening everything Wild Edge Inc. now for a while. I've been looking into your products, and we'll get into that. But let's let's dive in right off the bat and get to know you a little better. Why don't we go ahead and touch on who you are and where you're from, and then we'll get into what you do for a living a little later, if you don't mind. Yeah, my name's Andrew Walter, uh, nicknamed Drew. I grew up in East Adam, Connecticut, or Moodus, Connecticut, kind of a rural town in uh, south-central Connecticut, right on the the Connecticut River by Long Island Sound, and grew up here since I was five years old. But I have a ton of family out in Pennsylvania and Ohio, right around your guys' area. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that's who I am. I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> I got a beautiful wife who helps me, who is a big part of Wild Edge, a son, Bryson, nickname's Bo, that, uh, he's a year and a half now. Nice. 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 Yeah, as my dad always said, he's turning into a human and now he's fun. <laughs> Once they can <laughs> exactly. interact. Exactly. It's those, uh, first couple months that you bring him home. When, yeah. when you have him at home, it's like, uh, kind of like this lifeless baby that you gotta <laughs> hold their head up and then they turn into this, crazy little boy that's running around pushing his dump truck down the hill and grabbing rocks and he's running an excavator better than most grown men can <laughs> <laughs> yeah filling up your uh instagram story i love it man i'm all about oh, yeah. it uh, he's he seems like a cool little dude oh yeah he's uh he's as as boy as it gets <laughs> he's in awesome. the dump trucks and dinosaurs and rocks and deer and you name it i mean he's an animal <laughs> that's nice. a good start man you can't complain about that Hell yeah, no. exactly. All right, so you grew up in Connecticut. Now, I don't... Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't typically think of Connecticut when I think of hunting, but how did you How did you get into hunting, and what was hunting like growing up? Um. So my, my father, my family was always uh, farmers out in Ohio. Farming was been in our blood forever, farming and military. And my grandfather grew up in a big family of brothers and he was the only one of five or six that did not hunt he was into aviation so he was uh flying airplanes he was a helicopter pilot in vietnam and korea and uh he just passed away but he so he wasn't able to hand down hunting to my father but my great-grandfather did and my father hunted a little bit growing up and fished and then when he was in college he married my mom who's a twin sister and his best friend and roommate that basically they his best friend him married twins Hmm. And he was really into hunting, so he's the one, my Uncle Todd, who has a cabin in Warren County, Pennsylvania, northwest corner. So he, my dad would go there every year and hunt with him. And then, uh, so as I was growing up, then once I was old enough to hunt, you know, we hunted around here in Connecticut. And I remember going to the cabin even before I could hunt, and I was like 10 years old. And literally, my dad would set me up a tree stand, you know, 50 yards from him. And I would just watch him shoot deer. 
So <laughs> That's I, so cool. <laughs> I just got obsessed right away. And then, so my dad brought me into it, taught me everything he knew. And then I just, from there, became a complete psycho. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> attaboy. And kind of took to the next level. And then I'd say by the age 14, 15, you know, even 13, 14, I was taking my dad to like, all right, you're going to hunt this stand. I'm going to this stand. And I was setting tree stands. And you know, I kind of just, I kind of grew up, which I'm grateful for because my dad never held my hand. You know, he showed me the ropes. And then mm-hmm. I can remember, you know, I never had a cell phone or anything. I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 19. I didn't, didn't even want one, but he'd make me take a, a walkman, like a, two-way radio and the rule was i couldn't go farther from the house i could only go as far as the radio would reach and i'd have to check in with them like every hour it's actually a really so, solid rule honestly mm-hmm. i did yeah. that yep so it was always you know the rule was check in with me when you get to your tree sand check in with me every hour then when you get down when you get when your boots hit the ground check in with me again when you're on your way home mm-hmm. or if you kill something so you know it's <laughs> basically i yeah i just my dad showed me ropes and I became a psycho killer and I was a bloodthirsty little dude that, you know, I'm grateful that I was able to kind of, I learned a lot in the woods myself in the hard way and hanging around with older guys. So yeah, that evolved into who I am now. That's pretty cool. I think we had, we had the same role growing up when we would go hunt too, when we were younger. Uh, we all carried the walkie talkies and it was always once you get up in your tree, check in with me, make sure we know. And if not, you'd hear them on the radio. Hey, everybody up and okay. And once you're up and yep. okay, you know, you, everybody was good. You only kind of, we, we kind of did a thing. You only really called in if you, if you shot a deer or, you know, if you needed anything. And then, right. you know, before you climb down, all right, we're getting down. And then once you hit the ground, okay, I'm on the ground. We'll meet here, you know, and it worked out good. Um, there was one time I remember my brother fell asleep in his stand. Oh, God. Yeah, and uh, he didn't check in, and it was kind of, you know, it, it wasn't funny in any way because it was kind of like, you know, what happened? Because that's, that's our rule. When you break our rule, that means something serious happened. And back then, you know, we're 12 years old. He would have been 14, 15 years old, you know, and, and it was okay. He fell asleep, but, man, it's a good thing to have. And even today, even texting and stuff will still do it, you know. Once you get up in the tree, text, hey, up and in, okay. And then you hunt, you know. It was it was bittersweet back then, though, because there were no cell phones. I mean, mm-hmm. there were cell phones, but, you know, we didn't have them as kids. Now it's like every 10-year-old kid, 8-year-old kid has a cell phone. It's like back yeah. then it was you go into the woods, and I had a walkie-talkie because I was told if I break this rule, I can never go hunting alone until right. I'm, you know, until I'm ungrounded or 18. Yeah. yeah. I don't so it was, you know, it was cool to just be in the woods and not have any distractions. Now Absolutely. it's like. Absolutely. I find myself a lot of times when I go hunting now, I'll, I'll, you know, forcefully put my phone on airplane mode or I'll, mm-hmm. you know, put it on silent and ignore it or force myself to ignore it or else you're just sitting in the sand, surf through Instagram, social media, emails, and it just takes away from the hunt. Where back yep. then you think about the simple days of literally making sure the walkie-talkie had four double A's in it mm-hmm. and it was charged and you couldn't go out of reach of it. That's no shit. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. perfect. And I couldn't agree more with that, man. Like, yeah. Just it takes away from it. Just go out there and enjoy while you're out there in the woods. Just put yeah. your phone away. And even the kids nowadays, like you said, eight years old, six years old, I see them with cell phone. Like, what the hell do you need a cell phone for? I didn't have a cell phone until I was 17 years old. I think I was uh, 17 too. Yeah, why the hell do you need a cell phone before you're even, say, 16? I need to want one because then that means that my parents know exactly where I am all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I they, like, they literally forced me to have one and I had to pay for it too. It was like, I don't want one. And I was yeah. like, can I get a phone and not have texting? I'll do that. <laughs> and then I'm like, ah, oh, my phone's dead. I'm sorry. It's funny. You don't even think about texting anymore. But back then it was like, if someone texts me okay or just K, okay, it was like, I'd ream them out in my next text message. Like, you just wasted one of my thousand text messages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like these days, if you don't respond to a text or you don't return a call right away or an email or a text, oh, yeah. it's like, it, it's the end of the world. Remember, mm-hmm. I remember back in the day, like calling a buddy's house, like leaving a voicemail yeah. with his like sister yeah. or his mom. Yep, talking <laughs> to a parent or a family member, like, "Hey, is Johnny home?" You know, and yeah. that was it. And yep, that's crazy, man. <laughs> or you had to ask a girl out, like, "Hey, hey, is uh, so and so home?" And you get the dad, yeah. and just you know, he's rude and hangs up on you, like, "Damn it, yeah. <laughs> hi, Mister So and So. This is Drew Walter. May I please speak to your daughter?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think everybody can relate to that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, shit, man. So you're in uh, Warren County. Uh, well, you I'm sorry. You have a, a cabin. Your uncle does. Does he still own that yep. cabin? Uh, your family? It's still in your family's name? Uh, yes, we haven't. Last time I was there, I got to think about this, was 2017 or 16. Okay. Oh, nice. It was, uh, so it's kind of a long story and kind of a weird story, but I'll give you the gist of it. So we used to go there every single year. My father and uncles, everyone, they had the, the gun hunting group would go. And then mm-hmm. my dad and my uncles were the bow hunting crew. They'd go. And we had a thousand acre farm that we hunted right next to the cabin. And it's, it's not really, it's, it's basically a shack in the woods, no running water, just electricity. But it's, you know, the sweetest place in the world to me. And, uh, my, so we, you know, we went up all through high school. And then my senior year, my uncles couldn't make it. For some reason, everyone was, everyone was busy with business. So my uh, two buddies and I, two of them were, two of us were 17. The other one was 18. We hopped in my buddy's F-350 single cab diesel, and we just drove out. We took a week off school, begged our parents, and uh, we went out and hunted out there for a week. And it was actually, long story short, one of the guys, a relative, was there. He was basically there to kill himself. And he ended his life kind of right in front of us, so that kind of screwed it. And then that winter, my one of my uncles was killed in an accident. So Jeez. since then, we haven't been back. Yeah, but it's uh, it's one. I don't. I'm not trying to make this podcast depressing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's, what uh, That's the reason we have not been back because once my uncle died, it was like right. You know, no one was really motivated to go back. But yeah, we, you, uh, you lose this a little tradition. Went to Idaho and kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, cheered things up and my uncles all come here to hunt for turkey and deer season and so we definitely plan on going back but it's kind of been on the back burner yeah yeah, yeah. no i don't blame you on that one yeah, you're not too too far from my camp so you're just north of like titusville area do you know buell's corner store <sighs> buell's that sounds corner wicked store. familiar man it's literally like a gas station convenience store that has everything from boots to grunt calls to breakfast sandwiches clothing you name it but it's a hmm. tiny little store, and that's where we used to go to get water for the cabin. Okay. Oh, man, I'm going to write that down. it's right here. down the road from the farm in our cabin. Like, you look it up on Google, you can find exactly where Buell's Corner, Buell's Corner Store. I guarantee you if I ask my dad, he'll be like, yeah, I've been there as a kid. Yeah, if you're around the area, you've definitely <laughs> been there. It's like the only gas station store, like, in the area. Mm-hmm. Okay. I definitely have to ask him about that. Yeah, one. it sounds familiar to me, but I can't quite like put it in my head. I I don't think I've personally, especially like hunting and stuff, I've never went that far north. We spend a lot of time like Tyanesta area. 
I worked in Franklin, which isn't too terribly far away from where you're at in Spartansburg, but I just can't, and I can't put a lick to Buell's. Huh. I can remember when we were in, when we were, we were seniors in high school when we went there the last time, and I can remember one of us had a cell phone, and we were, we literally got there with a map. Like a legit paper map. <laughs> yeah. Like that to guys these days, like kids these days. Like, what? Like, yeah, we got to this cabin in the middle of nowhere with a map and directions handwritten from my father and my uncle. And it's like, I remember my buddy's uh, alternator was going on his power stroke on the way there. So it's like on I-80 with all the tractor trailers. Mm-hmm. And it was pouring rain and our lights are dimming. We barely made it there. And then at the farm, the buddy next door, he had... He got us the alternator and we put it in while we were there. It was, I can't believe our parents let us go. <laughs> that sounds like our late season, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so moving on then through your childhood, how do you gain a nickname as the Boneyard? <laughs> I got to know. And that's, <laughs> shout out that to the ECB up. boys, man, because that's where I heard it from. <laughs> yep, that started back in high school, actually. Uh, I remember I was down at the lake fishing with my buddy. And one of his dads, there are a bunch of dudes there, and they're cooking and drinking. And I had my shirt off, and he goes, Hey, Boneyard, eat a couple more hamburgers, you skinny little prick, or something like that. <laughs> and then I was a little lean, mean farm boy. And then, so Boneyard stuck from then, from then on and turned into, you know, Boneyard because I killed a lot of stuff. And it was Boneyard, Bonehead, every combination <laughs> of bone you could ever imagine. So, yeah, all through high school, my nickname is Boneyard. And then, uh, obviously when I went on to college, it disappeared. And then, um, when I got hooked up with the ECB boys, you know, I didn't, when I got on the podcast with them as like kind of a co-host, I was like, I don't really want to be known as just Drew from Wild Edge. Right. You know, like, can I be just a normal guy just on a podcast, just talking hunting, which mm-hmm. is fun, which I love to do. So like, yeah, well, you got any ideas? Said, well, call me Boneyard. <laughs> and that stuck with them boys from then on. Full circle back. That's awesome. I yep. dig that. <laughs> Yeah, so anyone in town knows me as Boneyard growing up. I don't have a good nickname. <laughs> I don't have. I, I wish I had a Boneyard nickname. I got nothing. Yeah, usually if you get a nickname, it's not for a good reason. Yeah, that that's I typically actually, true. I actually got a good one. Yeah. So then moving in to even farther. So the 2018 season, we talked a little bit before we got you on the podcast here that you uh, you were pretty busy with Wild Edge. So. Why don't you recap if there was anything positive from your 2018 season? But I also heard that you bought the new Triax last year. I did. Ooh, dude. And <laughs> we are little schoolgirls when it comes to that bow. We we are both very jealous right now. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. Well, when you go to trade shows all year long, it's it's hard not to shoot the bows. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never shot them because I knew I'd want them. I <laughs> shot a Bowtech for years and an old Hoyt and. I finally said, you know what, screw it, it's time to upgrade. So I shot the Triax and uh, the newer Hoyt, and I fell in love with the Triax. And, mm-hmm. and it's a mean shooting bow. I also shot, so I've had that for the last season, great shooting bow. But I also shot a new breed mm. bow. Uh, mm. I linked up with the owner, Kyle, yep. awesome dude. And honest to God, I shot the new breed, and I will sell my Matthews any day for a new breed. No kidding. I swear to you guys, it's, you know, mm. it's... It just, it speaks to itself. I mean, you look at the Newbury bow, it looks like a simple bow. But when, when I, sh- when I shot it, it was, it was night and day. Unbelievably shooting bow. So I do love the Triax, but I'm looking to switch to a new breed. See, eventually. that's and super I, interesting. I shoot the, uh, RK1 
which is a new breed bow by Striker Bows. Yeah. Uh, for a traditional, and that's an incredibly good shooting recurve too. Yeah, that's a good looking recurve, honestly. I've looked yeah. at that a couple times. I've I've been on. I kind of got turned on to the new breed from uh, DIY Sportsman Garrett over there. And you know, going back to the triax, we were at a 3D shoot this summer, and there was a pro shop that was there. It was a pro shop. Yeah. It was a pro shop. Ralph. They had all the freaking new bows, and mm-hmm. you know, Charles was shooting the bows. And he's like, "Dude, shoot one of these. Shoot one of these." And I was like, "No, man. Like, I'm shooting a 10 year old bow right now. Still, like, I refuse to buy a new bow. Kind of. I'm killing deer with it still, so it's still working. Ain't broke. Don't you know? Don't fix it. You're due. You're due. I am, but you know, and yeah, I saw him shoot that triax, and I was like, "Wow, that was a laser." Uh huh. And we went and we went and did a couple more things. We came back and I was like, I'm going to shoot that bow. <laughs> and I shot it and dude, I shot it and shot it and shot it. And ever since I've been like obsessed with getting one. But now that you say the new breed, I've been kind of looking at them and, and that kind of, that intrigues me. If you think it shoots a little bit better than that triax, I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say because obviously any, like everyone says, I mean, if you want to, find a bow for yourself you got to shoot all of them oh definitely definitely true. um definitely true. i just know that you know once i shot the new breed i was just i was amazed i mean you felt nothing you yeah. felt absolutely nothing in your hand the only thing you felt was a bow just jumping forward the tracks i love the tracks but you know in all honesty i had i had some trouble learning how to shoot in the beginning because there's so much torque in your hand when you get to full draw there's so much ability to make torque in your mm-hmm. wrist with the, with the wrong grip and this and that, but okay. shooting the new new breed, it was like you didn't have to think at all. Yeah, it was cool. Awesome. So very forgiving then. But you know, it's it's the same thing. It's just like saddle hunting and this and that. Mm-hmm. It's like you just have to shoot them all, find what's right for you. Yeah, no, I agree. But with then that. the problem is, once you shoot them all, then you definitely want one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's my problem, man. I'm yeah. so used to shooting a ten year old bow, and it, that that's what it is to me. You know what I mean? It's just it's the bow that I've been shooting forever. That's how it feels. But and man. then I shoot one of the newer bows and the newer technology and mm-hmm. stuff, and everything feels awesome. So it's kind of mm-hmm. I'm stuck in a, between a hard place and a yeah, rock. Ten honestly. years ago, you you're damn near throwing a spirit at a at a deer at this point compared yeah, to you the might technology. As well go trad if you're ten years old, no, <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I know. I, just, <laughs> I still love that bow. That's the problem with it. Oh, well, that's man. the thing. It's like I I sold one bow um, in my life of having bows, and that was my old golden eagle revolution Ooh, man. and i kicked myself in the ass for selling that because it's like i can't sell a bow because that's just memories it's oh, like yeah, every right. bow has its lifetime of memories in yep. it and it's like I, I can't just give that someone and plus it's not worth shit once you go to sell it it's like mm-hmm. what are you gonna get 150 bucks yeah my old fred bear is still it's hanging up on my wall because yeah in you know that's where i killed my first deer and exactly. everything else is on that bow you know Yep. I, I can't get rid of that bow. And that's the, another problem with the bow I have now. I mean, I've had it for, I think this will be my fifth year, and I've killed four bucks with it in four years. So it's like, eh, how can, yeah, how do you get rid point, of that? You know? My point VTech, I remember as 15 years old, raping money together and going to the bow shop and buying that bow. And that's a top-line bow. And in 2000, was it 2005, I bought it. You know, it was like 1100 bucks. I remember just scraping every penny I could, working my ass off, and that boat's still hanging up. And I don't shoot deer anymore, but I kill hundreds of carp a year with it. I mean, it, I could never let that boat go. Yeah. No, I feel you on that one, man. I thought about doing that to my old one, too, turning it into a uh, boat fishing rig. But they say to use something with a lot lower poundage. So I don't know how that works because there's 60 to 70 pound limbs on them. 
Yeah, bowfish. That's a whole other topic. That's yeah, that's in my blood too. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, my buddies and I started a couple of years ago. We got so addicted. I built a sick ass spot for my boat, and it's I put that up with deer hunting. Yeah. I would bowfish any day over turkey hunting. I mean, it's okay. up there. It is the most fun you can have with your pants on, and it's you do it at <laughs> night. I mean, what else are you gonna do at night besides sleep when that's you a, go out and literally? Good point. You're not fishing. You're yeah. killing fish. You're sticking fish, and it is so addicting and incredibly fun. It's I don't know anything more fun than that. Damn you for costing my bank account this summer because I know where it's Dude, going. it doesn't it doesn't cost shit. You just need a couple lights, you need yeah. a boat, and you need you can buy literally a hundred dollar reel, Cajun yeah. reel. Yeah. To start. Well, and put it on any old bow, put it on a recurve. I shoot better with a recurve than a compound bow fishing because it's 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 instinctual. It's yeah. So it's yeah. see the fish and shoot. If you, the compound, you have the mentality of pulling back and thinking about shooting, mm-hmm. and that's when you're going to miss. Okay, yeah. cool. So a lot of your shots are like slap shots. You know, they're halfway back, so it's, yeah, recurves. I mean, shit, go and buy a $50 recurve, and you'll be golden. That's a great idea. That is a great idea. And our sponsor, Williams Archery, actually sells now Cajun bow fishing equipment. They so do. There you go. That's Dude, huge. Yeah, they my buddy has a Cajun bow fishing bow, and mm-hmm. it's... Yeah, you can, you know, the one with, it has no uh, draw length on it. So it's, you know, there's no let off. So that's that bow is, that's a sweet shooting ball. And yeah, you don't need, you don't need much for poundage. I mean, 50 pounds is way plenty enough. And then you go to 60 pounds, that's too much. Cause that's, if, you, yeah. if you send an arrow through the fish, then you're screwed getting right. the arrow out. And, See, that's where I was at with my old bow. It's too, too much poundage on it. And that's why they couldn't use it. You know, it'd be great to use it, but with the 60 to 70 pounds, there's no way I could use it for bow fishing, but they do Well, offer. yeah, and the thing is, you know, you're also pulling that bow back on a good night, mm-hmm. you know, two, three hundred times. Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you ain't pulling the bow back to 70 pounds all night long. No. Nope. Hell no. No. Oh, my. I shoot 20 times in my yard, and I'm I'm going and ice my shoulder. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> oh, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm going to get into something like that. So, I... I'm sorry I got into the bow topic. We go no, back. Hey, come to, to Connecticut and I'll uh, put you guys up. We can go kill 50 to 80 carp a night. Dude, don't you threaten me with a good time. And then uh, <laughs> come during turkey season, we can kill carp at night, kill turkeys in the morning. Oh, shit. Oh, sign me up. Dude. Where do I sign, Drew? Where do I sign? <laughs> right here. Come on up, man. <laughs> dude, I've I'm, been I'm guiding up turkeys for forever. I've been, uh, I actually almost made <laughs> on the limb decision. I was going to go down to Mississippi for their opener. The week of, I made a decision. I'm like, I'm going to Mississippi because I want to kill turkeys. I want to put pellets through a turkey's face. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't go wisely on my part, probably, because I would have got my ass kicked down there. And I only had a weekend to get it done. But when does your turkey season come in? <laughs> uh, I think this year opens April 26th. Okay, yeah. Ours yeah. comes in the 27th. Yeah, and it ends like the last week of May. Listen, if I can make it happen, I got your number. I'll, I will uh, <laughs> definitely keep you to that. <laughs> Dude, it's an open invite. Awesome. Awesome. I think, I think I've, I've only killed probably like two birds in the last three or four years because I just, I got into guiding turkeys mm-hmm. and I just, I just love taking people out and killing turkeys. So, yeah, that was kind of me last And I'm year. not, I'm not about that kill the big Tom, big Tom, this, that. I mean, Legal I'm all bird about killing the jakes because they are yep. delicious. Yeah, oh, dude, I'm right there with you. Man. Oh, I got a bearded hen last year, man. She ate so good. Oh, heck yeah, dude! It was awesome. It was awesome. Yep. I got it first day of the season, and I was kind of the guide too because I only had one tag up here. And yeah, if they know. come into a call or they come in goblin, they're dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. I love it. So what about, you got any good deer, deer stories from last year? You want to get into that or any good deer stories from the past? We'll touch on that real quick and then we'll get into Wild Edge. Yeah. I mean, uh, 2018 was kind of a rough season. It was a good season for me, but it was rough because we, uh, decided to move our shop. I, I was in industrial park and we bought a new shop in town. I was renovating it and moving 3,000 square feet of shit for uh, <laughs> a couple months straight. And that kind of had a damper on my hunting season, renovating a new shop, moving, and trying to stay in business. And we were back ordered at the time. So it was it was definitely a different season for me. And uh, obviously, my son's now 20 months, 19, 20 months old. So, you know, it, obviously having him was different. Like I was telling you guys earlier, you know, I always had a lot of freedom hunting. I, uh, before Wild Edge, I traveled the world for a career, and but I was off during the early fall, so I would hunt every day, twice a day, you know, all day long. So the last two years has definitely been a game changer, but it almost did me better because I wasn't overpressuring, and I was I was able to sit back and think more about my moves mm-hmm. and what I was going to do, and I kind of planned shit out instead of just being off the whim and just hunting, hunting, hunting. Yeah, I killed a nice nine point and a nice big old six point. There you um, go. And then I uh, hunted a lot with my sister. She rents an apartment from me on one of my properties. So uh, she last fall she was actually hunting the Appalachian Trail or hunting. She was hiking the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> uh, she did the whole thing from Georgia to Maine. So we she missed a huge part of deer season with me. But you know we got to link back together when she got home and uh, she killed a nice deer and a doe. I was able to kill a nice nine point in that six point. The nine was actually a cool story. He, uh, he decided to walk by my trail camera about every morning between seven and eight o'clock while I was watching like Bubble Guppies or Peppa Pig with my son. <laughs> but I take him to daycare in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, as a day after opening day of gun season, of course, all bow season, I carried my camera with me and filmed every single hunt. Well, it, we got fresh snow and it was the second day of gun opener. So. I can't sit in a tree when it's fresh snow and I'm going to have a gun in my hand. So I was on the ground. I was uh, on a good set of tracks. And then a doe came busting balls from behind me, ran right by me with her mouth open. So I knew something was chasing her. I turned around there. There was my dude chasing <laughs> her with his mouth open, grunting. And I leveled him with a 308 right in the chest at 30 yards running at me. There you go. Without a camera, with nothing. So yeah, that man. was the, <laughs> the top of my season. And then after that, I was able to kill. That, uh, six point, he was a wide six, like 18 inches wide, and he was, he was tall, he was a big dude, nice four, four year old deer with my bow. It's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. And, yeah, so it was, all in all, it was a good season. Yeah, I can't complain. Cool. Yeah, cool. sounds like it was a pretty good season, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's always good. Every other season, I would have killed a lot of, a lot of does in the beginning, but like I said, moving the shop, I wasn't set up to butcher and hang deer. It was definitely a different season, but, Definitely looking forward to this coming season. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, you said that you have a shop, and you had to move the shop and everything like that. And we touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but what is it that you do for a living? I uh, I own Wild Edge Incorporated. We sell the stepladder, which is a custom climbing system. Uh, they're individual rungs that come in different sets, and uh, it's a way to get to your tree stand or to your saddle set. And uh, we sell all kinds of different lines, and we have a couple new products coming out between platforms and a couple other new things that are going to be really cool for. So 2019 is going to be a really cool year. We're basically going to have the complete, the complete saddle hunting package. So it's, uh, it's going to be a good year. So yeah, we're, uh, focused on being the mobile hunting one-stop shop. Dude, that's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. 
I think the minute I saw the new perch come out on your story on Instagram, I was like, I got to talk to him now, <laughs> yeah. you know, because yeah. <laughs> we, we ran into you down at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, and uh, I got your contact information, but I knew you were pretty busy with shows and stuff, so I waited to contact you and reach out to you. And when I saw that, I was like, all right, where's this card? I got to message him <laughs> right now. <laughs> I got to know more about it. So Yeah, the uh, platform is kind of it's kind of interesting because I was never a platform guy, mm-hmm. and I'm really not even now. I was always a ring of step guy just because I could – I found it more comfortable for myself to be able to use my feet, my toes, and my heel mm-hmm. in one step to turn and pivot. So, you know, the hardest part of saddle hunting as a righty is shooting to the right. So you mm-hmm. got to be able to contort your body and your feet and your hips move your whole entire body. So I was never big on a platform, and I made, I can't tell you how many prototypes, probably 150, 200 prototypes that I was trying to make a platform for guys that wanted one. Mm-hmm. And I knew the need was there, and I was just never really focused on it because it just wasn't me. But then I linked up with my buddy Matt from Out on a Limb Manufacturing, and he and I literally designed the perch on FaceTime. He's in Oklahoma on FaceTime one Saturday morning. Nice. <laughs> nice. Welding it together and, I mean, just going through every aspect of it. And within a weekend, we literally had it nailed down. And I linked up with him at the Iowa show, and literally he had a prototype there, and I had one, and then, you know, we realized we had to tweak it, so he ran out and bought a battery-powered uh, grinder. So we're back behind my booth grinding it down and, you know, tweaking <laughs> it and making it fit. And then that whole show, we had hundreds and hundreds of dudes just standing on it, jumping on it. We had 367-pound dude, Hoss, from yeah. FSR, jumping oh, on it. Oh, I know it. who Hoss is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah, him on there. Hoss is man. So, it's, yeah, it's kind of an evolution from that, and... We have a couple other prototypes I'm working on that are going to come out. Like uh, this one's detachable. It's aluminum. It's a uh, pound and a quarter and attaches to a step. And I have a couple other pro- platforms that are come out that are, that are going to be attached to the step instead of detachable. So, yeah, we have all kinds of cool shit coming out. That's awesome, man. That is Hell super yeah. cool. And one thing, I heard about it on a podcast, and mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about it ever since. And I'm I'm still very curious about it. You mentioned that you're coming out with a camera arm. Yep. Is that still yeah, in the works? Is that still something that you're you're really thinking about doing? Because a lightweight camera arm would be legit right now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I have a camera arm. I've been rocking. It's it's just under a pound and a half. Oh. It's an aluminum arm that I attach to the tree with a step. So I slide the mm-hmm. camera arm behind the rope, and my step goes on the other side of the tree, and I cam that step over, and it cinches that camera arm right to the tree. And it's three points of pivot on that arm, and uh, yeah, it's just something that. I have. It's ready to go. I just haven't put it into production. Yeah. This uh, this fall we got blown out, so my time's been limited. But it's it's ready to go, and that's one of the new products that'll be out for 2019. Is our camera arm? I'll have it on all different lengths, um, from three arms to four to two arms, and it's uh yeah, it's pretty slick. It folds right up, and I attach it right to my backpack. So the second I get up to the tree, camera arm comes off my backpack, attaches the tree with a step that's either already there. Or if I'm mobile hunting, I always have an extra step. And that one step holds my camera arm. It holds my bow with a bow hanger. holds my backpack. It holds everything, that one step. So Dude. it's uh, kind of the evolution <laughs> of Wild Edge was just simplifying the way I hunt and the way, basically, it's how I hunt and how I show the world how simple it can be to hunt. It's uh, everything has a purpose and you don't bring anything that's not useful. Yeah. So you just have one system that kind of does everything. Dude, that's awesome. You know, and 
I don't know when that's coming out, but I don't know if you have a pen and a <laughs> piece of paper, but write me down for a pre-order on that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the first yeah. will be out. First will be out next week. Nice. I got the. They're coming from Texas, so they're in production right now. So we'll have a. It'll be on our site end of this week or early next week, and then uh, the camera arm. I get it at least a month before I'll have that out, but it'll definitely every everything will be ready to go full system before the well before the season. That's Perfect. awesome. Man. So we can come down there, kill turkeys, kill some fish, and buy a camera arm while we're down there. <laughs> exactly. I'll make it for you right there in the shop. Oh shit! <laughs> All right, I'm in. I'm signed up. I'll I'll look up the uh, license fees when I get home tonight. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Hell no, yeah, I'm dude. Serious about that, it's an open invitation, man. That's awesome, man. No, that that's. Whew. Okay, so <laughs> Wild Edge. So your main product, it's amazing how many uses you get out of a step. Like you said, you're you're talking about all these different things that you're attaching to the step. You can even hang a four wheeler by one. Oh, I know that <laughs> picture. Hone out, your, hone out of your four wheeler if you want. <laughs> More comfortable seat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that picture's badass, by the way. I think we may use that as the album art. Yeah, I think so. I, I saved it when you when you posted it. I saved it for specifically this episode. So yeah, that was. A, I actually redid that picture. I uh, I grew up with the inventor Jim Step, who invented the step ladder, and he did that picture. It was like back in the nineties, and uh, he had a picture on his old posters of hanging the four wheeler by one step. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna recreate that. That's awesome, man. So I met uh, Jim Stepp. I was a junior instructor at a bow hunter safety course when I was 14. And Jim Stepp and his buddy Don were there. We linked up, and basically my dad was doing a section on private land hunting, and he pulled out a whole pile of private land permission slips. So here in Connecticut, you have to have a written permission slip for any landowner that you're hunting private land on. And Jim and Don saw that, and they you know, pulled my dad aside after and said, you know, would you guys be willing to hook us up with some private land permission for some of my product? Well, what do you got? So he said, uh, he pulled us back to his, he had an old white van and, uh, he showed us a stepladder. I was like, well, that's, that's freaking awesome. So he <laughs> gave me a couple, a couple sets of steps. And honest to God, I've been using a stepladder since I was a 14 year old kid. I've been hunting with Jim ever since then. And his buddy Don, they come down from Maine. Um, I went to, they come down from Maine every year to hunt with me and, I uh, went to school up in Maine, so I spent a lot of time with Jim growing up, and yeah, that's kind of how the history of everything turned out, and uh, when I got out of the service and done traveling for work uh, all around the world, I Jim kind of came to me and said, you want to take this the stepladder and bring it back to life, bring it to the market, and that's kind of the beginning of Wild Edge. That's awesome, man. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Uh, so... What step packages do you currently offer, and can you get into detail on the type of hunter that would per- maybe purchase each package from you? Yeah, so we're in the middle of redoing our whole website, but basically the biggest thing I want to say is we have a section where it's build your own package, where you can basically create your own setup. If you want to set it 12 and you want nine steps with six-foot ropes and three with eight-foot ropes, then you can build that package. We have the run and gun package. So the run and gun package is either a set of 10 or 12 with an aider and a lines and line. We have the ultimate package, which is basically everything. So it's uh, it's really cool. You can design your setup depending on what kind of hunter you are. And, I mean, the biggest thing is there's a ton of different hunters out there. If you're a saddle hunter, you're a mobile hunter, you're trying to climb a tree with toothpicks and dental floss. 
So you're going to want the most lightweight. You know, there's guys that are using, and I'm one of them. I'll use three to five steps, and I'll get 20 feet if I have to with naders, waders, and all that other stuff. And so basically when I'm mobile hunting, I'm carrying, I have my saddle around my waist, my backpack, my bow, and a set of three to five steps and a nader sweater attached to my leg and my hip. And if I wanted to, I could get 20 feet. And then there's the guys, and which I do as well, that just set preset sets up, you know, 12 to 16 steps that you can leave out all year long. So I have on my private land pieces that, you know, my family and I hunt and Jim hunts with me. I'll go in early season and I'll set, you know, 16 to 18 steps in one tree to make, you know, a comfortable climb. Yep. Uh, you know, a foot apart. The reason the step ladder was invented by Jim was because he lost his leg in Vietnam. So he has a prosthetic leg. So he needed a way. He was a welder fabricator his whole life. He needed a way to climb a tree without alternate steps. So he needed to put it, both of his feet on one step and bring his good leg up and then his bad leg up. So you always need a stable platform for two feet. So just the story is, you know, you can be any kind of hunter and use these steps. When I go out in the summertime and set up sets, I'll leave them all year long or I'll leave them for two, three years and just make a comfortable climb for family to go to that stand and hunt out of it. So, yeah, you have your extreme saddle hunters to your everyday tree stand hang-on hunters. So it's basically, you know, build what makes sense for you and your hunt. No, that's, that's awesome, man. Now, you mentioned that you take them out and you leave them out there for two or three years. Now, they're they're really kind of a, a simple system. I mean, it's basically a, a little triangle that's welded. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain them, honestly, but with, like, nylon rope. Now, how durable really are they? It's actually the uh, the steps are made out of steel. And the ropes are polypropylene. So it's a special rope that was made for the step that they come right from North Carolina, uh, specifically made for the steps. They have a 2,800 pound tensile strength, uh, rope on them, polypropylene. So that polypropylene is hollow braid. So it will not soak up water. It won't mold. It's UV resistant. Squirrels and mice don't chew it because it's petroleum based. I mean, the rope is the lifeline of the step. So the whole point of the step being the three points of contact is that you can get a bite on a tree anywhere with those three points. And the whole point of the step is to pull it up above the plane of the rope going around the tree, create that cam that's going over center and lock it onto the tree. So you're creating that cam and then that rope is sucking it to the tree. And the loop is not really a knot. It's just a loop, basically tensionless hitch that you're adjusting the tension as you pull that cam up, you can feel I need to, you know, take an eighth out or pull an eighth in and find that tension and cam it over and you can make a rock solid. So it's, it's very, very simple. And those ropes, yeah, I've, I've honestly left them in trees for six, eight years and had to, you know, actually cut the ropes off to get the step off the tree because <laughs> the step was grown into the tree, you know, yeah. inch and a half, two inches. So it's like I couldn't uncam it because the standoffs were grown into the tree. So I had to just cut the rope. Oh, I mean, man. the rope is incredibly strong. That's wild. I really like the look of it and the feel of it, too. Like, I got this step here in my hand, and I'm, I'm playing with it a little bit. And it's just got, like, a really good, good just good, good feel to it. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. Like, it's not flimsy like rope. You know, it's nice and stiff and sturdy feeling. And we were outside before the podcast, and we were putting it on the tree, and it's the first time I had it and on a tree. and trying to figure out the cam system and the loop and everything. And the loop came to me very simple and, and natural, but the camming process to me was a little bit of a learning curve, but it took me probably three or four tries. And I mean, I had that thing so rock solid. It was unbelievable. Oh yeah. And we were pulling on it from every different direction. It, it's That's just, the thing is when I'm, when I'm mobile hunting, I'll take that step and I'll, as a, obviously the point of me saying mobile hunting is I'm setting up 
a couple steps mm-hmm. to hunt out over a couple hours and taking them right back down. So I'll put that step on the tree and I'll cam it over once. And if it's tight, kind of tight, not tight enough, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. I'll step on it and get up the tree. Okay. Whereas if I'm setting a set that's going to stay all season or going to stay for a while, I'll sit there and I might cam it over two or three times mm-hmm. to get it the right tension. You get to really lock on. And I always tell people, put that step, the next step you attach, put it at the level of your head or higher so that you can cam it up and drop your body weight into it because if you're not getting it tight enough that's because you're not putting enough testosterone into it you've got to really pull mm-hmm. that step up above the rope and cam it down hard to get it rock solid so like my platform i'll always make sure i get those rock solid and it definitely takes a little effort mm-hmm. but once you get the hang of it and get those stainless equally contact to the tree and cam it over rock so you can feel it you know mm-hmm. it's solid no, definitely. You can definitely feel the difference from whenever you cam it and you know you're going to cam it down and it's going to be rock solid from the other times when maybe I didn't have my knot tight enough or there was an, it was a bigger tree. Maybe there was an issue with, you know, how the rope was going around the tree. But you can tell the difference. And when we had it rock solid, even when it wasn't rock solid, it, it was, was still, still solid. solid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was in a maple tree, which is soft. So there was a little play. But once I canned it and then really got it down in, man. It was awesome, and I got the Ader from you guys as well at the show, and I've talked about it in the previous podcast, and I, I think I'm going to go full commit on the whole thing. Maybe now that I see the custom, maybe get the linesman's belt as well since I already have the Ader. I already have one step. My initial thought was I'm going to run one step with an Ader, and that's going to be the start, and then I'm going to run my lone wolf sticks on top of that. But the issue I'm finding is, I need a second step at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now I'm like, well, if I got two steps, why not just get the whole package? You know, I already have the Aider. I have everything else. It's a hell of a lot cheaper. It's It seems like it's a lot quicker and more efficient. So That's the thing. Once it's, you know, the whole point of it is, you know, the carry bag and how they stack into each other. So mm-hmm. you have a system that you could have 12 steps and it's literally smaller than a case of beer. Yeah. And it's right there right around your shoulder as you climb you're not worried about stacking sticks together and pulling one mm-hmm. up at a time and, you know the carry bag is right there around your shoulder as you're climbing and both feet are connected to the tree and your lion's belt's holding you to the tree and both your hands are free so it's yeah. and then you know once you get in if you're doing mobile setups once you get into the all the aider systems mm-hmm. i mean you can fly up a tree in no time and have you know three to five steps so that's perfect transition because i want to know if you can explain the aider process and setup and how that is used as a climbing tool, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners here are your typical climber or ladder stand user. They're not really familiar with the totally mobile process. I'm sure there is some. Yeah. Um, you know, and it just because the two of us have gotten into it more, I mean, recently. So if you don't mind jumping into that for us and yeah, kind of so explaining that. Mobile hunting definitely got popular last year, really. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something I've been doing for my whole life and, you know, mobile hunting as, you know, from literally hunting on the ground to setting up sets in trees, you know, on my own. But, you know, and now it has evolved into basically I put it this way is guys want to climb a tree with dental floss and toothpicks. Yeah. They're trying to find the least amount of steps to put on a tree or sticks and, the, you know, with aiders and all these systems. And it's kind of cool um, to see all the different ways guys are doing it. But. I kind of try to stay back to stick to simplicity where the aider we sell is you're basically skipping every other to every two steps. So with a set of eight that 
you figure it can get you 16, 18 feet on average without an aider system, you can get 30 feet no problem with an aider. Oh, man. So you're basically doubling your climb. And the whole point of mobile hunting is, I put it this way, where when I go, when I'm mobile hunting, the last thing I want to be thinking about and putting all my effort into is getting into a tree. My effort mm-hmm. and my concentration is wants to be on the hunt. And when I'm mobile hunting, the goal is to get as close to the bed or where you think that deer is bedding as possible. So the only way to do that is to be quiet. And, you know, there's a big thing in the industry now of how fast can you get 25 feet? You know, is it three minutes? Is it five minutes? I was like, well, you know, if it all depends on the time, where I'm at, where I'm going, how close to a bed I am. If I wasn't worried about noise and I was just to get 30 feet in three <laughs> minutes if I wanted to, but right. sometimes it may take me 20 minutes to get 10 feet if I'm being super quiet and super conscious. But so, you know, then you take into fact the Nader Slater, which is basically a hook on your ankle and your knee that I can take three to four steps and get 20 feet. But you got to think about mobile hunting. Mm-hmm. If you're mobile hunting, you're not shoot, you're not trimming shooting lanes. You're not prepping an area. You're going to a tree. Sometimes you're finding that tree in the dark. So when I'm mobile hunting, 15 feet would be really high. I'm okay. hunting a lot of river bottom stuff where I'm 10, 12 feet off the ground. Yeah. Because you get any higher than that and you, you haven't trimmed shooting lanes, you're screwed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't shoot anywhere. So, you know, that kind of evolved into basically just simplicity. I have five steps that are either on my kayak or on my back and I have my saddle around my waist. And the second I get in my truck, the second I get to my tree, it's around my waist. My saddle is my lines and belt. It's my safety harness and it's my tree stand. And that's all I need that in a couple steps. And my nader swayer is, or my aider, is attached to my leg. Huh. So it's kind of just makes, it brings everything back to simplicity. And the only reason I started hunting elevated in these areas is because with all the frag in these marches, you have to get above 8, 10 feet because if you're down on the ground, you can't shoot. You get 10 feet over that frag and you can shoot everywhere. Yeah. Hmm. So no, I, I can think of a couple areas that we hunt that it, that would definitely come in handy, like... Some of the trees aren't necessarily big enough that you can fully get a stand in, but I, I think even just using a saddle and using some couple mm-hmm. of steps, I mean, just getting that extra little bit of height over top of like the canary grass and stuff like that, you're just, you're good to go. Right. And it's, you know, you think about when guys say they, they want to hunt 25, 30 feet, like, okay, that makes sense. If you're hunting a piece of property where you're going to hunt that same spot multiple times, you want to be right. up and away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're mobile hunting, it's again, kind of back to the roots of the element of surprise. So you're, even if you're 10 feet off the ground, deer are not expecting a predator to be hanging off that tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, that brings you back to the element of surprise. And my biggest thing is keep everything simple. You know, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Keep it simple. Keep it down to the basics and make it so you don't ever have to think or sweat about getting into the tree. So you can focus on your hunt the whole time. If you're sporadic and you're sweating and you're, trying to tie 550 cord to the next stick and bring the next stick up and then you get to haul a metal tree stand up and attach it to a tree with a ratchet strap and that stuff to me is just i couldn't do it i was just hunting the ground <laughs> see that's I the one thing it. to me that's just too much i like yep. simple simple things that make sense i yeah. think that shows the most in the perch because yeah the, the perch to me when i saw that come out i sent it immediately to our good buddy sam who just purchased um eight wild edge steps and he was going saddle hunting this year he purchased the manis he's all in on the saddle and he had bought the um the platform 
from Tethered. Yeah. And when yeah, I showed the Predator, him the Predator platform yeah. and I said, dude, look at this. I said, this is the most genius, simple way of possibly using a platform that I've ever seen in my life. Like there's no time set up at all. You literally just snap it into place on a, on a step that you're already putting onto the tree and you're ready to hunt. I almost went out and bought myself a saddle and I still might. It's not deer season yet. My birthday comes up in June. I might ask for a saddle. <laughs> Dude, because the perch Dude, makes it realistic. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to set up a stand. You don't have to carry that extra piece with you. It's right there with you. So the biggest thing about platforms in which I was never. So there's two kinds of hunters when it comes to saddle hunting. Guys that like platforms are standards. So picture mm-hmm. standing up right now and leaning your ass against the desk, but just barely leaning it. So all your weight's on your feet. Right. So you're just kind of resting against against the desk or against the wall with your arms crossed. And then there's guys that are sitters like me. When I sit in a saddle, my feet are stretched way out and my weight is all around my ass. So I'm hanging down and sitting in that saddle. Mm-hmm. So guys that are, are standers or leaners like a platform. So they basically like a tree stand where they can turn around 360 in one spot. Well, that kind of defeats the purpose of saddle hunting. The purpose of saddle hunting is to be able to shoot 360 around the tree. So that means you have to get around the entire tree. So that's why I was a ring of steps guy, because if I want to turn to the right, I would stick my left foot into the step ladder and shove my toe into there, bring my bow around my bridge, and then kind of do a ninja move and I can turn and shoot to the right. Because my feet and my hips are controlling the entire movement of my body. My freaking chest and my arms, the only thing they're doing is controlling my bow. My feet and my hips are the lifeline of my whole entire body around that tree. So, to me, I was never interested in a platform that was a square box. Because if I went around the other side of the tree, you're then pushing against a 45-degree angle that your foot could slip slip off and slip against. Right. The reason I love the hurt and... The probably only reason I'll actually use the perch is because the way it's designed, when you go around the other side of the tree, you now have that 45 degree angle off the tree instead of a 90 with normal platforms that you can put your foot against. So you can still off your foot, your toe into the step and into that perch, or you can push it against it and kind of go around the tree. If anyone's having trouble understanding it, just look at, you just look at the picture and you'll understand right away. It's, you have multiple points of contact and grip on that one little tiny platform. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're standing on the side of it, standing, putting your foot underneath it, everything. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that thing isn't going anywhere. Like, I need people to understand that. It's not like your yeah, normal climbing had, uh, stick where it wiggles all over the place. Right. When you lock first, that thing in, not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, the first release we had at the Iowa show, I was I was all nervous to release it because I'm so anal about all my stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, and then Matt from out on limb, he's like, we're doing a live video. Just do it. He walked up to my booth and I'm like, all right, screw it. Let's do it, man. <laughs> Garrett, Garrett, the modern assassin, my good mm-hmm. buddy, he's the man. He was up on it and, uh, you know, he was moving side to side. I said, you know what? Screw it. And I jumped up on that thing. He was on one side. I was on the other. We were jumping on it. Wasn't going anywhere. And then once Hoss got in, I was like, all right, here's, here's the reason. He's like, you think that saddle can hold me? I'm like, yeah, man, jump on that thing. And then he's, uh, so he's on one, he's on the platform. I'm like, hey, jump on that one side. He's like, are you sure? Like, he's wicked nervous. He's scared to death of heights. Like, yeah, man, jump on that side. He's like, all right. So he had at it, and he was jumping on it, and that thing was, it was, you know, it's it's aluminum. It's T60, 61, so it's 
it's flexing it's flexing a lot but it's it's not gonna break it's not gonna the, the step wasn't moving yeah that's it that was impressive <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah right. i'm working on i'm working on a bunch of stress tests and all kinds of stuff that I'll be unleashing soon, but it's pretty cool how strong it is and just the integrity of how it's built. And, you know, I give, I got to give most credit to Matt out on a limb. He's, uh, the guy's a genius. He can build anything. He's, he's like a younger version of Jim Step. Yeah. You know, there's guys that understand metal that can just picture something in their mind and just make it happen. He's one of them. Yeah. No. Yeah. To take a simple concept and, you know, people might look at it and say, well, it's a triangular piece of metal with a rope. How can it possibly work? Right. And turn it into something so genius. And what yeah. I really like about it, again, is that you can put two feet on it. So I have a big issue with, like, my feet just get tore up when I climb up my my steps now. Uh, or not my steps, but my... Your sticks. My sticks. Because I have bad plantar fasciitis in the bottom of my feet. And whenever those... One, one foot's taking all the pressure and you're setting up a stand, man, it just eats up at my feet. And it it's a That's why, uh, pain. You know, a lot of... Even older guys and women, when they, when you have a woman come to the trade show at your booth and she's a hunter, she literally will force her husband to buy the steps because yeah. a woman or an older man, you have, and not just that, just any human in general, you have the ability to grab that step on like multiple points. You know, you can grab with two hands, you can grab with one hand. It's mm-hmm. always a comfortable grab. And then your feet, you have multiple places to grab it, step on it, move around it. So it's very comfortable to grab. And, you know, like I tell a lot of guys when I'm mobile hunting, yeah, to be honest, sometimes I will not use any kind of aider, nade, or suede or anything. I'll literally just do a pull-up. In early season, that's easy to do. You put your first step up at three and a half, four feet. You jack your foot up, put it against that. You have your lines belt around the tree. Make it wicked loose, you know, a long nine-foot lines in line. Yep. And then grab that next step that, you know, above your head at seven feet. And hoist yourself up because you have multiple spots to grab it mm-hmm. and you're still tied into the tree. So you can literally grab it with two hands and you don't have to be a Hercules to do a pull up when you have a foot on a step and both hands on the other one. Yep. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with that, man. And it's, it's not uncomfortable. Like you said, it's comfortable to grab it everywhere, but it's not, it's not like grabbing another stick or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. if you grab another stick and it right. does that little wobble, you're instantly like freaked out. You don't want to actually pull yourself up. Right. With that thing, you grab a hold of it. It's not going anywhere. You actually feel comfortable enough to really put your body weight on it and really yank yourself up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, all the horror stories you hear, you know, when I was younger, I any step, I still have my original steps that Jim gave me and I still use them. But, you know, I was always, I, the reason I, one of the reasons I got into saddle hunting is because I had, you know, I would have 30 to 40 set all around my areas that I hunted. They were preset that I would go to hunt and I was using screwing pegs and step ladders and oh, sticks yeah. and anything I get my hands on as a kid because I didn't mm-hmm. have any money. Right. So, you know, you go from that to, you know, hearing the horror stories of guys using screwing pegs and slipping the phone, getting gutted on the way down. And, you know, it's just to have one system that, you know, you can have full faith in and be comfortable. My, my whole system on saddle hunting is it forces me to be safe. Mm-hmm. The whole entire time I'm climbing, I'm attached to the tree and having my son that's when you really realize, okay, dude, you got to wake up and mm-hmm. actually start being conscious about how you're being safe. So, you know, you could have any climbing system in the world on a tree. The when you're going to fall is getting to your stand. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So saddle hunting, I am attached to the tree the entire time with lines in line. When I get to the top, I hook my bridge and my saddle to a step. I hook my lines in line, 
hook my tether in, which is my lines line, hook it to my bridge, unhook from the step. I'm never unhooked from the tree, so I can never fall more than a couple of feet, and I'm just going to slam against the tree. I'm right. not going anywhere. Right, yep. No, I, I agree. I definitely have never felt safer in a hunting season. This past hunting season, everything I did was mobile setup, climbing with a linesman's belt, and it was like, it was almost an addiction for me to do it that way. And it yeah. got to a point where I was like, man, I remember the times climbing up into one of my brother's old lock-ons, and it was really sketchy to a point where I'm like, why? This isn't worth it. And I've said it, always have said it, no deer is worth your life, man. No. And this new system, like you said, even with the saddle is what's intrigued me the most is that you are always attached. Right. It's and the your safest saddle, way. which is your tree stand, is coming in and out of the woods with you every time. Right. And yep. how many times growing up did you go to a stand and say, ah, screw, I don't feel like putting my safety harness on or, oh, I forgot it. Yeah. See, that you was. You cannot forget yeah. your saddle because it's your tree stand. Right, right, definitely. And that was one so thing. So it forces you to simply, mm -hmm. you know, they simply just be safe. Yeah, absolutely. You're forced to it. Like you said, it, it's almost like not having a safety harness, but if you don't have it, you can't hunt from the air. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yep. And, and it comes in and out of the woods with you every, every mm -hmm. single hunt. So you're. It stays inside. You're looking at it. Every time you go, it's there. So you're not walking to a tree stand that's a piece of metal. Right. It's sitting in the woods, rusting. Mm -hmm. It's held together with two little tiny eighth-inch cables that are held together with little tiny grade five bolts that are attached mm -hmm. to the tree stand. That, you know, I've seen plenty of videos. My buddy even had one where he was going in the summer before the season, and he's like, he looked at the stand, looked a little rusty, you know, basic, basic, hang on, lock on, whatever you want to call it. And he's like, you know what? Screw it. He stomped on the stand and the whole platform fell. Jeez. <laughs> and both bolts broke, cables broke, everything. It's like, man. Well, I'm going to use that as a little reminder real quick. <clears throat> yeah, we're, all we're, all we're all addicted to hunting, so it's like, can you yeah. imagine not ever be able, not being able to hunt ever again for the rest of your life? Yeah. Yeah, man. That's or just... not having the rest of your life because you did exactly. something stupid. Yeah, or being, yeah. Yeah, being dead. Yep, I hear people all the time, oh, I'm just in a ladder stand. I don't need a, a safety harness. The bullshit you don't need a safety harness. You do yeah. not get up in a tree without one, and that has been engraved in my mind forever. I've had times where, I mean, I'd be up in there, and I'm like, man, or I'd be driving to my spot, I forgot my safety harness. Turn around and go back. Yeah. You know, with the saddle, that won't happen. But I've also or had think time. about it, when you're in a tree stand, mm -hmm. how many do you guys use lifeline that, uh, that no. you're attached from the base to the top? Nope. I nope. don't. So the when you're going to fall is when you're climbing up to your tree stand. Exactly. Exactly. I and when you're in a tree stand, what happens when you fall asleep? Hmm. Yeah. Which I do a lot. You go, you go <laughs> forward. We've yep. all been in a tree stand in a hangout. You're on that stupid little seat and you're, you're falling asleep. And the first thing you feel is yourself going forward and you wake up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. On one of those little saddle, tiny platforms. I, I joke that we're going to come out with a freaking pillow, a little tiny camp pillow that attaches to your carabiner <laughs> on your tether. So when you're in the saddle, you can put your head against it and sleep. If you do, I'll buy one. <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, I sleep in that saddle more than any other tree stand I've ever had. I got a camo neck pillow like for airplanes. I might start bringing that in the woods with me. Dude, it'd be perfect. <laughs> I Slap do. it right around your tether and put your head right against it. You'll be out. You have the you have the tree right in your crotch, and you'll just be sleeping. That's that's probably my number one reason <laughs> that I want to go to a saddle is for the sleeping factor. Because 
And that's Dude, what I, I missed about the only my time I ever take naps is in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I missed my climber this past year. I used to take my climber up in and just lock it in and put the ratchet strap to it and just take a nap. I mean, not even, oh, you dude. can't even call it a nap. That was a slumber. <laughs> I can remember my, uh, my dad worked, one of his, hit a side job and he worked, uh, UPS and he was like the night shift. He did, he was like the runner. So he'd leave the house like three in the morning. And I remember at the time properties that I couldn't ride my bike to or walk to, I'd be like, dad, can you drop me off at that stand? And be like, yeah, no problem. So you worked weekends. So he, you know, he'd drop me off at my, literally at a property to hunt and it'd be three in the morning. And I'd have like three, four hours until the sun came up. So what I would do is I would take, if I wasn't in my lone wolf sit and climb, which I could sleep all day long, no problem. If I was in like a lock on, I would tie, remember the old safety harness that were literally just a belt that went around your wa- went around your waist or your chest mm-hmm. yeah. and then strapped to the tree. I would tie that baby so tight that it would like cinch me to the tree and I would just sleep until daylight. <laughs> 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 and I can remember like on a full moon just watching deer just walk under me and all around me I'm like man yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a bad snorer that's my only issue like I snore sometimes in the woods and I wake myself up and I'm like damn it there's no way deer coming into that <laughs> there's a grizzly well, bear uh, up in the tree <laughs> the kind of the beauty about a saddle and kind of like the only negative I can ever find is when you're when you're up in there you get bored you start swinging it's yeah. Like, imagine a grown man sitting in a swing, like a playset swing. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're not just going to sit there. You're going to like twirl around and swing. Yeah. So when you're in a saddle, you're kind of just like hmm, swinging around. Then you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, shit, stop, 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 stop. I got to focus. See, here's the, that, that's one of the main reasons why I don't want one because I got ADD real bad. Yeah, me too, and, buddy. Dude, I, <laughs> I hear you on that. <laughs> I get bored really quick and like I find ways to occupy myself in the tree stand. But if I have a swing, oh, dude. I'm going to be like swinging around the tree, see if I, <laughs> I can, can do see this, see if I can do that. that. Like, oh man, it'd be bad. Well, the cool thing is with the saddle, you can put the, you put yourself between the tree and the deer. Mm-hmm. So it's like when I'm filming, which is 98% of the time, I kind of feel like I'm cheating because a lot of times I'll be behind the tree and I'll have my camera arm stretched around the other side of the tree and I'll be watching deer through the viewfinder, but I can't see them because the tree's in between me and the deer. So it's <laughs> like, you feel like you're totally just cheating with technology, but you're like, Haha, dude, I can see you. You can't see me. <laughs> yeah. But so you could th- be swinging back there all, all day long yep. and they can't see you. I've thought about that because there's this one spot that I found in the middle of a giant clear cut. And there's like, you know, when they clear cut it, they cut all the branches off the trees everywhere else. So there's like this one tree all the way up. No branches on it. Nothing is in the wide open. It's the only tree there. But I'm like, man, with a saddle, you could hunt that because you can get on the backside where the clear cuts to your back. And there's a big opening in front of you, and those deer would come out. They would never see you because you're hiding behind the tree, and you could literally swing right out and shoot them. It's genius. Well, and also think about a tree. When you look at a tree, branches are sticking out at a 45 or 30, 20, mm-hmm. 25 degree angle. They're, they're all over the place. Try to find a tree that has a branch. Uh, there are trees, but it's rare to see a branch that's coming out at a 90 and then you have a 180 of a dude standing on top of it straight up. <laughs> that's pretty rare. When yep. you're in the saddle, you're leaning out at a 20 to 40, 45 degree angle off that tree. So you look like a big ass branch. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think if anybody has hunted enough, they've had those times in the late afternoon where the sun's casting your shadow and you look at your shadow compared to the shadow of the tree branches around you and you stick out so much. <laughs> but yep. You don't look anything like that tree or any part of it, you know, and 
I, I try to hide and stick up as close as I can to that tree, you know, when I'm on my stand. But now the platform's smaller because we're mobile hunting, you know, and it's like. And also, you got to think about think about this. So you have an investment to make. You have your climbing system investment to make, and then mm-hmm. other than that, you have one saddle to buy for the rest of your entire life. Yep. So you're talking two hundred to two hundred twenty-five bucks. You get your saddle, which is your safety harness, your lines belt, and it's your tree stand. That's the only $200 you have to spend for the rest of your life. You may have to, every couple of years, replace your bridge, which right. is going to cost you like 10 bucks. You never have to buy another tree stand. Yeah, that's that's appealing. And you can, I mean, you're really, now you're talking mobile hunting. I mean, before, yeah. when we say mobile hunting, with even with a stand and sticks, you know, there's almost every tree I can get into, but... At the same time, you're you're still you're still carrying a stand on your back. You're still attaching sticks to it. You know, and the biggest complaint with people I hunt with, it's like, man, it took you forever to get out of the woods. It's like, yeah, I got to take down every single stick, and you know, I got to put it away the way I like it. Yeah, and you got to walk in the woods with a Volkswagen on your back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and my biggest issue is like, you put it on if you don't have it completely perfect the way you put your sticks on. Sometimes you go to step over something and your foot gets stuck on your stick or you get crushed with the, you know, the bottom of your sticks. So I, I've I've had a bunch of issues and that's what I've been talking about over the last year. And it's like, well, you just bought that stand, yeah, but I, you know, you got me into this, Austin, <laughs> and bad. this is your <laughs> fault. You know, my mobile before was a climber. And that was how I mobile hunted. And I got myself in plenty of good situations and killed plenty of deer with a climber. Don't get me wrong. You know, I made it work. But you got me into mobile and now I want to take it the full rest of the way. Now you can hunt any tree. But now you're thinking about a saddle and some wild edge steps. Now you're thinking mm-hmm. about super lightweight. You're not sweating your ass off getting in there carrying a Volkswagen. Yeah, on dude, it's, back. it's a dick. <laughs> it's a dick thing, especially when your tree stand is it's around your waist. So yeah, man. Yeah. If it's a tether mantis and it's 15 ounces, or if it's an arrow hunter and it's two pounds, don't it matter. It doesn't matter. Me. It's around your waist. You're carrying. Yep. You're walking in with it, and yep. you don't mm-hmm. know, sir. Oh. How many times have you guys remembered it myself with a mm-hmm. climber? You get up to a branch, you're like, damn, I know, I can take this platform under my feet, I can unstrap it, I can get around this branch. Uh-huh. And then you're dangling there with one foot trying to hold it, and you're just monkeying around the trees like, you look back in those days like, that was so stupid. That was yeah. so stupid. I, I, I can't I wouldn't agree do more. It. I wouldn't do it. I would saw the tree branch off. I mean, we're talking like four or five inch wide saw, you know, in branches. I'd saw them right off because I am not well, it's like there's detaching. T- a lot of the properties I hunt. My goal when I hunt public land is I look at a map. I don't care how horny and how good a spot looks. Mm-hmm. If it's easy to get to, I won't even look at it. Right. Totally across away. I don't even think about it. I look at the spots where, where is nobody in the right mind going to be motivated or driven to go to? Mm-hmm. And that's where I go. So most of the time, that's me taking my duck boat or my kayak or my canoe and I'm going in with either waders on, hip boots, you know, I'm changing my boots as I get to dry land or I'm just literally going in with waders and my saddle around my waders and I'm going in and th- there's no room for tree stands on a kayak. There's no room right. for climbing sticks on a kayak. There's literally a saddle around my waist in the kayak and a tiny little set of steps that's strapped to my bag on the back of the kayak, my bow's in the front. There's no room for anything else. Dude, yeah. you know, and I agree with you totally. And there's a couple of my better spots that I have to get to with a kayak. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 
and I strap my stand and my sticks and my bow and my backpack and everything in my kayak, and I kayak my ass up the river, and it's wobbly as hell, man. Mm-hmm. It's not that and it's sketchy. Trying to get the shit off the kayak on water in the dead of the night, trying not to make noise. You know what water does noise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amplifies it's impossible it to stay quiet. I mean, that's... And I'm not just saying this because I don't want to sound like the company owner that's like, you got to buy my shit. <laughs> no, it's, this is the way I hunt and this is the way I am. So like in the beginning, I was a wild edge. Everyone was always, you know, giving me advice. Oh, you could sell this for tree houses and to climb coconut trees and sailboat masses and this and that and this and that. And I was like trying to broadcast out. And the second I focused on my sister, she's a marketing major and works for a big firm. She goes, listen, Drew, focus on what does Drew do? I'm like, well, this is how Drew hunts. And that's like kind of how I broke everything down and simplified everything and was able to explain how I hunt. And that's what Wild Edge is. It's not just a product that I use. It's literally the way I hunt. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you changed the game in, in hunting and saddle hunting with the perch. That's one thing that intrigued me on it was you, you've taken away the time of setup for a stand. And that was the biggest thing with me that I had to harp on was, I get up the tree nice and quick, but then I got to set up a stand and I got to get into it to not, not to get into that again. Let's, let's move on to something I wanted to talk about because <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll just talk about that all day long. Yeah, I will too. <laughs> and I can't just say enough good things. Just come up for turkey things. season. Yeah. Put you guys on birds. We'll kill carp at night and we'll get you in as many different saddles as you want that I got in the shop in trees and you'll sling some arrows and then you'll the second you sit in a saddle you'll be like okay makes sense i'm done <laughs> i'm in man i'm in that's I'm what happens guys come to trade shows and they're like all right can i try this <laughs> thing out like yeah dude hop in it and like ah oh, shit they hop in it and they'd look at you like perplexed like their their mind just did a 180 they're like okay i'm sold yeah oh man that's kind of where i was at and i was i was jealous my my younger brother joe got in one of the saddles at at your uh booth at the at the show and i'm like man i kind of wanted to get into one of those but it was really busy so i'll take you up on that for sure dude i swear it's so the only tree stand i have two i move them around when jim comes down to hunt he can't hunt out of a saddle because it was bad like so mm-hmm. i have tree stands i move around for him those are the only tree stands that i ever ever have in the woods Everything else is a saddle set, so I'm like the guide around here. Um, the dude that brings everyone hunting, because I just love setting dudes up on it. Yeah. I'm not trying to sound cliche and all that shit, but I just love setting people up and seeing people happy. Right. And the rule right. is, whatever makes you happy, you kill it. So, Absolutely. my whole family, they were forced into saddle hunting. All my buddies <laughs> that came, even my, my best friend, he's a commercial real estate investor in Stamford, Connecticut, down by New York City, and he... Him and I can't tell you how many other buddies, they'd come to hunt, you know, a couple times a year. It's like, well, guess what, dude? There's no more tree stands. You have to learn how to hunt out of a saddle. So they'll come on a Friday night. It'll be dark out. We throw the lights off on the back of the barn, and they're in a saddle in the dark, shooting a target, getting used to it. Boom, the next morning they're in a saddle in the dark, hunting out of it and killing deer. That's crazy. (laughs) That's wild. It is not as people look at it, and the biggest thing is people get intimidated. And I tell people, don't get intimidated. You try it. And buy the complete package, get all the right shit, right. and then start tweaking. Because you get in and you'll instantly feel more comfortable, more secure, more safe, and more mobile around that tree. You just feel more natural. Yeah. That's my biggest point. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple times, and I wanted to touch on this. Uh, 
So what has it been like to share your adventures and your business operations with your family? Because I know they're very involved with the business as well. I'm not sure how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, It's been awesome at the same time. Very, very hard. Yeah. So my wife is my biggest supporter and my biggest go-to business partner, you name it. April and my other cousin handle all the customer service, all the order processing, everything. And, you know, it's, um, you know, my father's a big supporter. He comes and helps in the shop anytime he can. My sister handles all the marketing, but it's, it's always that fine line of how do you separate normal life from business? Because when I come walking in at night at 10 o'clock at night and, you know, my son just went to bed a couple hours ago, my wife props open the computer, my brain's dead. My brain shut off. I'm ready to sleep because I have to get up a couple hours and get back at it. And, you know, my wife's firing off questions and this. So it's it's awesome to have such a close connection with my family, to work right. with my sister and my wife and my cousins, and to employ the whole family into one business. And it's awesome. But at the same time, it's very hard to separate normal life from business. So my wife and I have to kind of look at each other and say, okay, Thursday night's business meeting. Friday night, we're going to try like hell. Let's go out for happy hour and just mm-hmm. talk normal life, but usually it turns into business. Yeah, so of course. Of course. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's never easy, but at the same time, I'm very grateful and very privileged to, at the biggest thing, be able to wake up in the morning with my son. You know, my wife goes to work. She's a school teacher full time and a varsity soccer coach. So be able to, you know, say goodbye to her and, we sit down, we have breakfast together, my son and I. We go outside, play a little bit, and then I take him to daycare. Sometimes I pick him up from daycare. I see him at night because my shop is on the same property we live on. So it's very cool to have a very close-knit family and to always be involved. And It's just it's good, but at the same time, it's definitely not easy. A lot of people think going the business, you have total freedom and you do whatever you want, but there's no clocking out. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, man. And that that just says it all. I think we can end on that. You know, I've had an absolute blast talking to you and I could talk to you all night long, but I don't think I can learn anything more from a few hundred miles away. So seems like I have to come out there and figure out the rest myself. Yeah, man. Open so, invite. I'm telling you guys, really, come on anytime you want. Absolutely, man. But until then, why don't you go ahead and share with our listeners where they can find you and Wild Edge Inc. So anything Wild Edge Inc., YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, wildedgeinc.com is our website. So uh, definitely hit us up on YouTube, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Awesome. And feel free to reach out with any questions you got. We're uh, doing our best to get back to customers as soon as we can. Yeah, and I know you're a, a John Eberhardt uh, fan or student, we should call. So we Absolutely. can uh, definitely come to you with any advice on saddle hunting. Yeah, he is. Uh, John's definitely a legend and someone everyone should look up to. Yeah, absolutely. We had a blast talking to him, too. (laughs) (laughs) He's the man. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to having you guys up here. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Oh, man. Andrew Walters from Wild Edge, Inc. What a badass. (laughs) (laughs) That dude rocked my mind. Not going to lie, he is just an absolute badass there's no way around it his products are badass he's badass dude it speaks for itself i mean i me and you talked about it when we saw his booth at great american outdoor show and i bought the step and the aider 
just to kind of play around with. And then you know, our buddy Sam went all in on the steps. And I think, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, I think I'll be climbing up some wild edge steps this fall. Man, I'm not going to lie to you either. I, th- I think I might be too. <laughs> no, they are. Just, They're legit, man. It's, it, it's hard to beat them. So, I mean, yeah. I think I'm going to dive they, in deep. They sound almost too good to be true, but I've seen them and I've, you know, held it and I've played with it. And they're phenomenal. And the perch, man, the perch is changing the game in mobile hunting. It really is. Especially I can't for say saddles. Enough about that. Yeah, maybe yes. for saddles, yes. but I mean, that's just, and that's, that's a huge part of the game now. Everybody's getting into saddle hunting. So. Oh, absolutely. And we've talked about it, the two of us, you know, oh, yeah. trying to maybe dabble in it a little bit, have it as a second option to our running gun stand sets, you know, but I'm excited for both this fall. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll be in a saddle. Maybe I'll be in a stand. I, I don't know yet. Yeah. You know, I no, I'm right still got some you, time to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. We got turkey season to worry about before that. That is correct. That is we correct. do have turkey season. <laughs> and I, I am thoroughly looking forward to it. Um, good point about that is also we talked to him back and forth on the episode about it. I'm really going to try to make that Connecticut work, that trip work. Uh, I really want to go down there, meet him face to face. He just seems like that person that you, you almost have to meet and get to know. Absolutely. And, no, I'm, I'm looking know, forward to that too. I don't think I'm going to be able to do turkey hunting this spring, but I'd really like to go bow fishing with him this summer. So even the bow fishing option, if that's what it has to come down to or both for me, <laughs> yeah. I don't care one way or the other, man. I just want to get to Connecticut. So I agree. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to the episode. Make sure you head over to wild edge Inc on their Facebook, Instagram, their website, go over and check out their products, especially that new perch. If you're into saddle hunting, you can always find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and go wild at the whitetail distraction podcast. And if you could do us a huge favor and head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review, that would be greatly appreciated. All right, guys. Well, until next week, the distraction is real. From the car heading to work, the distraction is real, my friend. Let's go.